Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As I frequently say, just because you might have a right to do something doesn't mean it is the right thing to do. And there is a, a company, a business, on the south side of Milwaukee, Precision Dental Milwaukee, and I, I think they, if, if they object to some of the bad press they are getting, they have some explaining to do. Here is the story, if you haven't heard it. And I, it, it broke about a day ago, and I, I intentionally withheld talking about it because I just keep thinking there's got to be something more to this story than it is out there. It involves a woman named Robin Pollock, who's from South Milwaukee. She she worked as a dental assistant at the, this place. All right, she is a Trump supporter. Attended the rally the other night, and on her personal Facebook page, she posts stuff like "Make America Great Again" 2020. She also forwards and and this is where sometimes people get in trouble i have a personal policy that i I, people send me all sorts of stuff i never forward those things on i I just don't because lots of times there's stuff in there that people uh, say okay you you must be this or that or the other thing because you know you forwarded this on i just have a personal policy of not doing it but on her facebook page you know she she sends things on as well but but she's politically active she is a trump supporter what happens is somebody apparently is, is watching her Facebook stuff. This is not connected to the business at all and knows where she works. So this Internet troll goes on to the company's website and posts a like zero star review a negative review on the Facebook saying that I would never use this dental office because it's got employees that are spouting racist comments on Facebook. All right. The, the company then immediately responds. We're sorry to have learned that this was posted. We're handling the situation in-house as we speak. I assure you this office does not share those beliefs. That's the company's response. And the woman says, well, handling it in-house meant she got fired over the phone. Said, I, I was taking my son to speech class during errands, doing errands. The boss called me and said, we need to terminate you. The office manager said it was for a review they got on their Facebook page, but my name wasn't on there. They assume, assumed it was me because I'm the only Republican in that office. So you've got, I mean, the way this all plays out, she posts something on her personal Facebook page. Somebody is offended by it. They go to her employer. They give the employer a bad review, and the employer's response is, you, you are, you're fired. Now, I find this whole thing to be unbelievable. And one of the reasons I held off talking about it is, is I, I was thinking, what was it that she posted? Matter of fact, I went on the woman's Facebook page, and 
there, there's nothing that struck me as overtly racist. Where there's stuff that I would not have passed on, yeah. But I mean, the most controversial thing I saw is that she forwarded one of the these memes that um, suggested that Barack Obama might have been the leader of ISIS. You know, you get one of these things and you, and you pass it on. But but that's the stuff that's out there, and it's not associated at all with the business. So anyhow, the, the business terminates her. Now, the business has issued a couple statements on this. I have in my hands the statement of Precision Dental Milwaukee dated yesterday. Precision Dental Milwaukee respects the privacy of its employees and as a matter of policy does not comment on the terms of employment, retention, or discharge of any individual employee. We can say, however, that no employee has ever had their employment terminated for their political beliefs or their support or opposition of the president or any political candidate. Hmm. Okay, I, I found that interesting. And, and so I, this is the note I sent back to the public relations firm that's handling this for the dental office. I said, I'll definitely share the response, but I'm a bit confused by it. Was she fired for what the company considered to be inappropriate social media comments, comments or it was for something other than social media like performance? Because my, my question would be, if this woman was really fired for something she posted on her own Facebook, on her own time involving President Trump, what, what, what was it? I, I mean, what, what was it? That, that got her fired? What was it that the company found so objectionable, if it was for social media, that they had to, that they had to fire her for it? Because that's only the only way that you can, can judge this. And I guess to say that nobody's ever had their employment terminated for their political beliefs, well, okay, that, that's kind of a weasel way to do it. It's like, okay, if she expressed her political beliefs, what was it that she said that was so incredibly inappropriate? All right. The response I got back from the company, as indicated in the first sentence of that statement, Precision Dental cannot comment on personnel matters. To which my response was, well, thanks for the response, but for the record, Precision Dental can comment on personnel matters. They are simply choosing not to beyond the statement. I mean, you you can explain things. There, there's no law that says that you, you can't say why somebody got, got terminated. Yes, Jeff no longer works here. We were unhappy with his performance. Jeff no longer works here. We think he was stealing money. You, you, there's nothing wrong that says you can't say something like that. You, you can, in fact, do it. Now, you got to be careful if you do, because if you make a statement that turns out to be false, you could be liable, you know, it's death. It might be defamation or something, but, but there's no law out there that says that you can't comment on things. So I, I'm in this position of it, it really strikes me that there's something here that's not right. At the same time, I don't want to completely light up the company because m- maybe there is something that this lady posted on on Facebook, which was so clearly beyond the pale that it, it you know, it, it reflects on on the company. Although, you know, it clearly somebody had to track this down, figure out where she worked, complain to the company, and then they ended up taking action. It's not like she did this on the company pages or was identified. So, I mean, I, I'm a little bit at a quandary here because unless and until the company 
points out specifically what it was, if, if this was even social media. Now, again, maybe it's something completely unrelated to social media, but you don't really get that idea. But in, until, unless they say, you know, what was it? It's tough to evaluate this. If she was fired simply for posting something that said, you know, make America great again 2020, well, that that's one thing. If she was fired because she was posting overtly racist things that – would come back to you know haunt her employer it might be a different story but the company isn't isn't saying what it was our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line i guess i i look at this and, and number one it, it is a cautionary tale of of again social media and and what you have to understand out there is that when you post stuff especially political stuff. There are people out there who are going to be unhappy with this and they will try to they will try to destroy you. That, that's it. And they'll do anything they can and they'll try to find out where you work, for example, and then they'll go after your employer because they don't like the stuff that, that you posted. So you, you've got to understand that. That is the danger. It is the new McCarthyism. That, that exists here. So you, you have to be careful for that. Secondly, from an employer's perspective, um, you know, whenever this stuff happens, people say, oh, you, you should sue and all those things. Well, okay, I, I'm, I'm offering no legal position on this, but as a general rule, what people need to understand is that you can, for most people, you, you are what they call at-will employees, which means you can quit when you want to quit, or you can be fired for any reason or no reason as long as it's not an illegal reason. I mean, there are certain people who are protected. There's protected classes. You can't fire somebody because of their sex. You can't fire somebody because of their race. You can't fire somebody because of their religion. In Wisconsin, you can't fire somebody because of their sexual orientation. But um, political beliefs, that that's that's not protected. So, you know, if you've got an employer, theoretically, who decides, you know, we, we don't want these Republicans working here, so we're, we're going to fire Republicans, it, even if that was their motivation, or we think it's embarrassing because most of our clients are Democrats and you're identified with the Republican Party, I don't know that that's protected at all. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think this woman was getting a fair shake? And... And if she is, do you think that the company should have an obligation now that this stuff is public to identify what it was that they thought that she did, which was so incredibly inappropriate that deserved her being fired? Like I say, I, it's tough to say without the company telling us or telling the public in the face of these allegations what posting she made if it was a posting what was the posting that she made that they thought that was so inappropriate that they had to let her go if in fact that's why they canned her she says yeah she says i was posted i was fired for social media stuff all right if that's true i don't know why doesn't the company just say yeah that's what we did and this is the social media post that she had we discuss in just a moment it's 12 18 this is jeff wagner this is jeff wagner on wtmj so glad to have you with us. I mean, th- there's a lot of questions about this story involving this little dental clinic down in South Milwaukee and the woman who says she was fired for posting on, on Facebook. But the biggest question is, what? what is the, if that, is that true, and the employer's not saying, 
And if it is true that she was fired for posting something on Facebook, what was it that she posted that the employer deemed to be so inappropriate? Um, and is is this the new McCarthyism now, where if you express a political opinion or you pass something along on your private Facebook account, you're going to have some troll who disagrees with you, right wing, left wing, whatever, who then goes after the employer and the employer decides to fire you? I mean, is that really where we are now in 2020? Let's start with Dale. Dale, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, thank you for taking my call. Actually, a couple valid points. Number one, I'm not a lawyer. Um, she needs to lawyer up. I believe it was an infringement on her First Amendment rights. Number two, here's the big one. Was she on the company time was she on no. the clock was no. she at work no she was not okay. on the company facebook and she says she did this is on her personal time she didn't do it at, at work she didn't do it on the company facebook this is her personal thing that's at least what she says well definitely an infringement on first amendment i think maybe the the dental company doesn't want to comment in case there is a case that does come up um hopefully she lawyers up and wins this one yeah. Well, thank, well, I mean, here, here's the thanks for call. I mean, here, here's the problem. People talk about First Amendment rights, and, and what you have to understand is the First Amendment says that the government shall do nothing to abridge, like the, the the freedom of speech. That this doesn't involve the government. And as I mean, what people need to understand now too is, I mean, the First Amendment. You have a right under the First Amendment to say whatever you want to say as a general rule. You you get to express your opinions. It's a great thing about your this country. At the same time, though, again, if you're an employee, there are there can be consequences to your expression of of opinion, especially if you're an at will employee. I mean, sometimes this comes up, you know, when you got the college professors who say like the really whacked out stuff. You know, you, you see that a lot. There's outrage. The college tries to fire them. They're not able to do it because you know they're they're protected by contracts and agreements and they're government employees and things like that. If you're a private employee, you're you're pretty much out there. Like I say, I mean, there, I'm not sure how many protections there are, and I'm not prejudging any potential lawsuit other than to say in Wisconsin I, I in Wisconsin it's it's not clear at all that again political speech would be protected if your employer decided that they, they wanted to get rid of you that's why it'd be so interesting to hear and refreshing to hear from the company what was it exactly that this lady posted on her Facebook page that you found so offensive if you're saying you're not firing her because of her political beliefs or her support for a candidate. What was it that she put up there that you found so offensive that she could no longer be allowed to work there? 855-616-1620. And again, I, it, it's tough. I, I'm trying to resist lighting up the employer too much because maybe there is something that she put up there that was just so completely beyond the pale that everybody goes, oh my gosh, how, how could you do something like that? All right, here's some text. Jeff, it's not fair. I was fired in... Um, Oh, one um, from a particular place um, because I said I'm voting Democrat. Two days later, they fired me. And I said I wrote on the timesheet. I started at eight and I got there at eight oh eight oh eight oh eight. 
8.08 a.m. Never got a warning. I was a great worker. All right. That, and, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe maybe that's a pretext. But again, you know, if you're an at-will employee, there's not a lot of protections that are there. Here's a text. Jeff, as an employer, with my employees do outside of work is their own business. As long as they do not get arrested or do something stupid to make them come late to work, I don't see it as a problem or as a, as a concern. Okay? Jeff, the company can't say why because that will violate the former employee's rights. No, what what right? The, the company can explain if they choose to, you know, why why it is that they terminated somebody. And you, you see that all the time, you know, in, in in the media business. Yeah, we we got rid of this particular show because it wasn't generating enough revenue, or the ratings weren't where they were supposed to be, or something. There's nothing that stops employers, as a general rule, from disclosing why it was that they terminated at will employees. Now, the reason they don't do it is because. If they say stuff and it turns out to be untrue or it hurts the employee's reputation, you know, they could potentially be liable. But you, you could do this. There's nothing that stops this company from saying, yeah, it was a violation of our social media policy. And this is the particular posting that we found to be, you know, so offensive. Um, that's. You know, that's the bottom line. She says she was fired because she was expressing her support for President Trump and she did nothing inappropriate. Again, I don't know. Don't know. But in this particular case, faced with those allegations, you would like to hear the employer say exactly what it was that she did that that caused her to be terminated. Because if we're really at a point nowadays where... You know, people are going to start losing their jobs because they're posting things on Facebook indicating support for causes or support for political candidates or criticism of the other side. That's, like I say, that's the new McCarthyism. Do we really want to go down that route? And I understand we live in this supercharged sort of world that's out there, but do we really want to go down that route where – we're going to say, okay, you've expressed your opinion on social media. Boom, you're going to be terminated from your job. The other cautionary note, and you can't stress this enough to anybody, is that what you post on social media is out there for the world to see. It's not like you're sitting at the fish fry on Friday night with a couple of your pals and you say, gee, I really support this or I can't believe that's going on or or whatever. When you post it on social media, it is out there. And you then make yourself a target for the people that disagree with you. And if you're not extremely careful with what you say, all right, your employer may very well say, look, we, we think this particular posting crossed the line or, you know, this posting is so controversial. We're getting people that are giving us low reviews on Facebook. Boom. I mean, you got to understand that, that that's one of the downsides of the things that can happen. So, I mean, everybody out there, cautionary tale, be careful what you post on social media because it can fairly or unfairly come back to bite you. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You see what's going on in the radio industry there, Gru, producing the show today? iHeartMedia, which is like the, the giant media conglomerate, like getting rid of like a 1,000 positions nationwide. 
Yeah, yeah. crazy layoffs. I, I don't think anything in Milwaukee, but Madison, Eau Claire, um, both people on air and behind the scenes and stuff. It's just, uh, I, I tell you, the, the interesting time in this industry, especially when you work not we, we, we work for a, a small, closely held local company. I've always said this. I, good karma. I, I say this sincerely. I, it's the best company I have ever worked for. And I say that sincerely. Um, boy, you look at what's going on with some of these national companies, though, that just have it, – it's like cut costs and cut costs and cut costs. It's kind of what happened with the newspaper industry. And they're estimating, like I say, a 1,000 people losing their jobs. Mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. Should he stay or should he go? There are communities – across the country that have have rules for example there are a number of of communities which are quote unquote senior communities there there are condo associations and the rules of the community is for example that you have to be at least 55 or or older Uh, there there are places that have those rules and the idea is that um it it is legal to do that you have to disclose those, and the idea is that, okay, there might be, I don't know, there might be residents who, who don't want to live in areas where there, there's kids around. I'm not arguing the merits of that, but th- those are the rules. So you've got this condo association outside of Phoenix, and they, they've they've got one of those rules. It is a, it's a retirement community, and the rule requires its residents to be over the age of 55. Right, so here's here is the deal. Here's what happens. There's a 15 year old kid, and what happens? It's a horrible story. Last year, his mother passes away following a long illness. All right, he, the, the child's mother dies. Two weeks after that, apparently unable to cope with the fact that the mom has died, the dad kills himself. All right, so now suddenly this 15 year old is is an orphan. All right. What happens is the grandparents live in this community where, again, it's a 55 and older community, but the kid has nowhere to go. So the grandparents open up their home and they take the 15 year old in. And so now the 15 year old who has nowhere to go is living with the grandparents and has been living with the grandparents now for the better part of a year. By all accounts, the the fifteen year old is not a problem. I mean, he's he's not that. This isn't like there's like wild parties or him skateboarding through the neighborhoods or, or things like that. He's he's apparently a pretty decent kid who's you know out. Forget pretty decent. He's a decent kid who's out there you know you know working around the house and things like that. But he's now living there, and this is against the rules of the association. Now, apparently, there's a provision that allows allows the association to make exceptions. You know, they can make exceptions, but once they start making exceptions, the, the argument is it's a slippery slope. Because, okay, if we're going to let this kid in, what about the, the people down the block that they want to move their grandson in and, and all those things? So anyhow, you've got this deal. The homeowners association meets, and what they decide is, is they say the kids got to go. They, they tell the the grandparents, you you know you've got to. Here the deal is, these are the rules. The rules are the rules. We're not going to make an exception for your grandson. And so as a result, he has to find a different place to live, or you have to move out of the complex. 
Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that rules are rules. And I certainly understand that you, you know, you, people move into certain communities for certain reasons. And I understand why people above the age of 55, for example, want this retirement community. And they don't necessarily want small children or teenagers around. I I don't think I'd feel that way, but I get it. I, I understand that, and that's what it's set up for. At the same time, there is this element of compassion, isn't there? And if you've got a situation where the story is truly compelling like this, and you've got a 15-year-old, you've got grandparents that have lived there for a long time, you've got a 15-year-old that's got no place to go because mom dies and dad kills himself, and the grandparents have taken him in, and the kid isn't causing a problem. I don't see how you can force that kid out. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What should happen here? Who do you side with? The Homeowners Association who says rules are rules, and we're concerned that if we make an exception in this case, well, then we're going to have to make exceptions for all the cases. Or, look, we're going to look at this on a case-by-case basis, and in this particular case, the child can stay. Who's right? Who's wrong? We discuss in just a moment our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I let the kids stay and then let the chips fall where they may when I get the next request for an exception. What do you do? If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Lucy on the west side. Lucy, good afternoon. Hi, I told your producer, I know just enough to be dangerous here um, as a recovering attorney myself. Um, this is one of those old folks' homes, right? Well, it's a it's a sen- it's not it's a senior community. It's it's a condo complex where they it's, so it's it's a condo complex. It's not a it's not an old folks' home per se, but it's one of those communities where fifty five okay. and older. Right, and for that, Jeff, I think they get a tax break. I think you'll find they're organized to some kind of a 501c4 organization like San Camillo or St. John's. Um, and part of their getting these breaks is that they cater to 55 and over. Right. No, the, let me, I, sentiments the, like, I, just, let me stop you. I'm looking at the, the association, the homeowners association has these covenants that say that residents must be 55 or older. No one can live there permanently under the age of 19. However, the board is allowed to make exceptions for younger residents at its discretion. That's apparently what the rules say. Then, okay. If that's what the rules say, then the board should make the exception. It's a no brainer. Okay. If- I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. Yes, there's always a slippery slope argument. I had this with my condo association because I want I rent my condo out and I wanted it to be a month-to-month tenancy because my tenant couldn't commit to a full year, and I had to go to the board and make my case and blah blah blah. And they eventually said yes, but they can make exceptions. If their rules say they can make exceptions, then I think they should. Yeah. Th- th- thanks, Scott. See, I, I'm I'm with you. And, and again, I. I appreciate that you've got this rule that's out there, and I, and I understand why they end up having the rule, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I, I do think, and I, I hate to use the phrase, rules are made to be broken, but, but they are. You need to look at stuff on a case-by-case basis. If, and I got a couple of texters making this point, if you had, if the, first of all, if the kid was a problem, 
then then it's easy. I mean, if, if this was if the kid was breaking into houses and the kid was having wild parties and the kid was dealing drugs out of the house, that, then, then it's an easy one. But here you have this incredibly unique, at least in my opinion, you know, situation where the, the grandparents and I, you know, the, the grandparents are stepping in and doing the humane thing. Mom has died. Dad has taken his own life. You know, what, what's going to happen with the child? Now, I guess the alternative you could say is, OK, we appreciate what you're doing, grandparents, but you can't do it here. You're going to have to sell your condo. You're going to have to move somewhere else because there's all sorts of other communities that that don't have this restriction. And this isn't going to be a big deal. That seems to me to be an extreme situation. And I guess even if I lived in a place like that. If these facts came before me, whether I was on the board or whether I was a resident, I mean, my my sole question would be, okay, well, why why wouldn't we find a way to make this happen? And if the concern is, well, what happens, you know, next time when, all right, it's grandparents and they they want to take in an eight year old because I I don't know, mom, you know, mom has abandoned the child because she's a drug addict or whatever, and there's no father in the picture. I'd say, okay, well, then we're going to look at that case on its merits as well. You know, consistent with the overall rule being, you know, we want this to be an adults only community. But I mean, you got to have a heart, don't you? Uh, Jeff, I wouldn't think most people uh, living there would be sensitive. I would think most people living there would be sensitive to the situation. It's about the health and well-being of the child. In my mind, this isn't being human. I'd love to name the name of this place so I can call and complain about the rules. Well, the name of the place, this is Prescott, Arizona. And uh, it's called the Gardens and Courtyards at Willow Creek. It is a retirement community. All right, let's talk to Bob. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing, friend? Oh. We're calling from Arizona today. Oh, okay, great. Where in Arizona uh, are you? Moved, and we are in Santan Valley, a little bit in the in the East Valley. So Scottsdale's okay. over on the west side of town, but Got we're it. under an HOA in our neighborhood as well. I uh, learned as we moved here from Wisconsin one year ago that, you know, I didn't realize that was going to be part of the situation. But, you know, they they tell you how to paint your house. If you have a weed right. growing in your front of your yard, t- spray it or we're going to fine you $50. Right. And I call them the HOA police. Right. In this case, you know, if, if we were we had that kind of condition here and the neighbor next door said, you know what, uh, our our 15-year-old grandson is, is has nowhere to go, you know, it, it, you're right. I mean, this is just those people on the HOA sometimes I think are just uh, I, I don't know if they think they're gods or whatever and they they, right. they put thumbs on people big time and this is just a situation of compassion to understand if, if my neighbor had that situation i would be the first one to welcome you know the child there and and bring whatever yeah. cookies and a gift over and say you know welcome to our neighborhood right and, and, th- and by the way thank uh, you thank we're, we're sorry this i mean you're exactly right you think of it from the perspective of the 15 year old what what that 15-year-old's life is like right now, given your mom has passed away, dad has taken his own life, he's uprooted. I think they originally, I think the family originally lived in California or something, so he's uprooted. He's got nowhere to go. Who could throw the kid out? I mean, how could you sleep at night if you did something like that? And, and these people that make these decisions, I, I don't understand where their brains are, how they can, uh, you know, make a decision like that, like you say, on a case-by-case basis. Now, you know, you look at the facts, and, you know, right. if, if there's rules, you have to maybe follow somewhat, but make a, make a, make a decent decision in a case like this, and my goodness, 
what, what are you going to do? Tell the, the grandparents they can't keep that condo, and, and that kid asks, where is he going to go? I right. mean, yeah, there's nowhere so for the kid to go. And, I mean, and, the choice is you're essentially forcing the grandparents out of the community, effectively, because if you, if you hold up with this, I, my sense is they're not going to just put their 15-year-old grandson on the street, so, you know, they're, they're, they're going to sell the place and move. But, okay, is the community any better because of that? Yeah. Hey, yeah, uh, and, okay. and on top of that, we pick. Oh, go ahead. We pay $72 a month for, for this HOA fee, and it's like you think they would bring it before the people of the association. We have newsletters that come out or email blasts and let the people vote on it or something and say, would you, would you mind if we made this exception? You know, it's like for $72 a month that I pay, I don't know what I get for it except a lot of headaches. <laughs> okay, Bob, i got to ask you this because right now it's 15 degrees. We're supposed to get, if the forecasters are right, you know, four, five, six inches of snow this weekend. What, what's the weather like in, uh, in the valley out in Arizona? We, we are suffering with about the 60s and low 70s, and it's a little cloudy today. We may get a little smidgen of rain, about a 20% chance, but it looks like everything is flying over us, and we'll be back in the 72 by next week. We are coming back to Wisconsin and Milwaukee to visit our granddaughter for her second birthday in February. Please don't give us any storms or 25 low wind chill factors. <laughs> we, we miss Wisconsin. We miss Wisconsin, but we love Arizona. It is a wonderful state to live in, and um, yeah, it. the weather is all, all of that. So good enough. Well, thanks for <laughs> the I, Bob. I appreciate you. Thanks did. for the call. I appreciate you listening, and um, you know, hit him, hit him straight if you are a golfer. I again, I, I mean, I just look at this, and we're getting swamped with texts on this, and I. I, I, you know, there, there are people that make the argument, well, this is the rule and people move into the community because they want to be around other adults and you change the character of the community if for whatever reason you allow the 15 year old to live there. And I, I'm, I understand that, but there is a human element to this. And if everybody was trying to go for an exception, I, 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 I think you, you, maybe you need to tighten this stuff up. But in this particular case, I let the kids stay and worry about what the future brings. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barclay, during during your news, we, we had an advertisement for Acunet Mortgage, you know, Brian mm-hmm. Rickard, one of our, our great partners, and Brian's been a personal friend of mine for a number of years, and they, they have their, their show on Sunday mornings, uh-huh. and, and I, I've used Acunet Mortgage on, on multiple occasions over the years, either refinancing or when I bought the place I live in now, I, I, I wasn't ready to sell my old house yet that was getting ready, so I needed to work out kind of a bridge loan to help all that go through, and Brian was great, and all that stuff in the commercial is true, and they come out and they do all those things. You know what the, you know what the best thing? One of the, one of the really good things, besides all the service and the great rates and all that stuff, you know one of the, one of the really cool things about Acunet Mortgage? Uh, no. They have the best pens in the world. Oh, the best pens! You know, I love pens. You know, oh, I mean, no. they, they, they just I mean, it's, it, look, yeah. it's, a, it's a great place. I mean, all that stuff in the commercial is true, but they also oh, I, love, I, I, just, I love good pens. Right, yeah. I love, they have these great <laughs> pens. Mm-hmm. Let me and see it. Do you when, have one? No, I, I just it's oh, at home. I, actually, the, the pen is at home, but it's it, it's so good that I, I matter of fact, I, I went out and I, I tried. I started looking on the internet to try to find yeah. the type of pen that it was, mm. so I could order a bunch of the pens. <laughs> you know. It wouldn't have the Acunet mortgage thing branded sure. on, but but it, it's just you know I, I keep waiting to see Brian Wickard because I want more pens. Like, give me more of- pens. You know that is the best thing. I, I've done that for years where you find a good pen, 
And yeah. then what I hate is when someone takes it, like if you leave it around the office, you're like, wait, that was where, my where, good pen. Where did it go? Right. I mean, the, these are, it's just, I'm, I'm telling you. So it's, Interesting. I mean, it, it, it is whenever, and, and again, all, all the ads and stuff, I, I patronize, you know, our, our partner, Acunet yeah. Mortgage, they do a great job. All that stuff is great. But it's like, it's like the little, it's the cherry on the cake of your day. You, okay. you walk out after you've signed this stuff off and you've got. A, a great I, pen. Is and, it smooth? Just writes really smooth. Yeah, it, yeah. and it, it's not. It's not like it's a fifty dollar pen or anything. Yeah. It's you know one of those things. But it just I. I really like it. As a matter of fact, I, I always try to find a way to take a couple, you know, there, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of running out on those. But yeah. just, just great pens. I like that. I've done that before. It's the little, see, it's the little things it in is. life, Melissa. It's kind of like when you go to put on a pair of blue jeans that you haven't worn in a long time, you know, they've been like in the drawer or something. And, and you number, find cash in the yeah, pocket? Right, right. Ooh, and, yeah, right, right. And there's a, there's a, there's a $20 bill in the pocket. Well, I mean, for, it's, right. It's just like, wow, there's a $20 and bill in the pocket. And for some ladies, some jeans you haven't put on for a while and they fit. Right. That, right. That's a good one too. Right, yeah. I like that. Right. They fit number one and number two there's dough there's in the pocket i mean it, right, it's yeah. just it. it it works out well it's the little things double in whammy life. there i love absolutely. it absolutely a good a good free pen and like cash in the blue pockets of the blue jeans works for me um hey they're announcing uh, the tony evers there, there's a vacancy on the uh, milwaukee county court of appeals and there are a number of people who applied for it. Uh, the word is out is that the Milwaukee County Chief Judge, Maxine White, she's going to get this. Tony Evers has appointed it. Um, it's actually, it's a very good appointment. I, I used to work with Maxine back in the day. She was in the U.S. Attorney's Office with me. We tried cases together. She was appointed to the circuit court bench um, in 1992. So she's been there. Wow, that's a that's a long time. She's been there, you know, going on thirty years. Time just flies. Uh, she's been on the circuit court bench, but she's going to be taking over um, Joan Kessler, who was in the U.S. Attorney's Office before me. Um, Joan Kessler, she's going to be stepping down on February seventh. So um, Judge White is going to take that appointment, and she'll finish out the term uh, that ends in the summer of two thousand twenty-one. But this is it. It's a it's a good point. Maxine White is a, a very solid, fair judge, and she will do a good job. All right, let me back into this next topic. What I want to talk about is I want to talk about the I word. The impeachment train is now rolling. The representatives from the House of Representatives went over today, and they've dropped off the articles of impeachment. And so now you have the trial that's going to start. The senators are signing in. They've all been sworn in, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the trial itself in whatever form it's going to take, and that's still a little bit fluid, it's going to start, what, I think next Tuesday. Well, on the heels of that, you have the new numbers that are coming out in the Marquette Law School poll. And again, I Wisconsin is pivotal in the presidential election. I mean, I think really if you look at it, there are four maybe five or six, but I'd say certainly four states that are going to determine who the next president would be. And, and that's Wisconsin is one. Michigan is another. Pennsylvania is another. Uh, th- those are, are perhaps the big three. There, there might a couple, be a couple others as well. But Wisconsin very much in play. And clearly, and I've said this before, if, if President Trump is going to be reelected and you look at the electoral roadmap, it's difficult to see how he gets the required number of electoral votes if he doesn't repeat and hold Wisconsin. 
I, I you know, maybe he'd, he'd have to pick up some other state that he didn't carry that has at least 10 electoral votes, and I'm not sure where that pickup would be. So that's why there's going to be so much attention spent in Wisconsin. That's why Mike Pence and the president were here the other night. That's part of the reason, not all, but it's one of the reasons why the Democrat National Convention is here in July, and it's one of the reasons why you're going to be seeing a lot of attention either through the candidate or surrogates over the course of the next 10 or 11 months. You cannot understate that. Well, okay, the Marquette University Law School poll comes out yesterday, and it's it shows President Trump performing better in Wisconsin than he is in some of the national polls. And, and again, that's important because we elect presidents state by state, not by the, the total. It doesn't matter if you win California by one vote or three million votes, you, you get the California electoral votes. Okay, here's here's the numbers. And, and it's what's amazing to me is they just, they aren't moving a, at all. 47% of people responding, and, and let, let's put aside the discussion of do you believe polls or not. But let's just put that aside for a second. 47% approved of the House's vote to impeach President Trump. 49% disapproved. Right? This is in Wisconsin. 44% said the Senate should remove the president from office. 49% said the Senate should acquit the president. And, and these numbers are, again, they're close, but they're also remarkably consistent month to month. Um, the president's support, 48% of the voters approve of the way he's handling the job, 49% disapprove. It, it's just, it's pretty much split. If you look at the head-to-head matchups that they do, now this is January, a lot can happen, it's all theoretical. Uh, Biden leads President Trump 49 to 45. Uh, Bernie Sanders leads Trump 47 to 46. Trump leads Elizabeth Warren 48 to 45. And Trump leads Buttigieg 46 to 44. But importantly, all those numbers are within the margin of error by the poll, meaning it could go, it could go either way. So, I mean, it's a toss up at least 10 months before the election. It is a complete and total toss up. Now, into this, you throw the whole impeachment idea and the fact that over the course of the next probably two weeks, I would guess, you know, you're going to have, again, us rehashing the issues that, that the House has been dealing with for the last couple months. Here's what I want to discuss with you. Our number, 855-616-1620. Is anything going to happen over the course of the next couple weeks that is going to move the needle on public opinion? I don't want to have this conversation of, oh, President Trump's a crook and he, he needs to be thrown out, or this is nothing but a witch hunt and this is terrible. I, I, I want to talk about whether or not opinions are so entrenched that it, it's just not going to make any difference. And, you know, is some voter in Wisconsin that was one of... I don't know, the, the 48% who approves of the president's job approval or the 49% who don't, or one of the 44% who thinks he should be removed from office or the 49% who thinks he, do, he shouldn't be. Is anything going to happen that's going to change anybody's opinion? Or are we just so dug in that this all becomes sort of a, a constitutional exercise in futility? We're back to discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My personal take, I 
again, without getting into the merits, I just don't see anybody's opinion changing. I think people have made up their minds, and nothing's going to change that. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. The articles of impeachment now been moved over to the U.S. Senate. The chief judge is swearing people in. The trial, whatever form it takes, starts um, on Tuesday, I believe. One of the things you see as you're looking at the Marquette University Law School poll is on this issue. There's almost no movement. I mean, the the num- people are people are dug in. And I think you probably see that nationwide as well. There's people on the left that believe that President Trump is just this horrible person who's violated the Constitution and needs to go. There's people on the right that think that this is a witch hunt. But it doesn't appear that there's any sort of wiggle room that's there. People have already decided. And I guess to me the interesting aspect is, is this is this sort of like the Bill Clinton thing where people the same way, they were, they were dug in. In 1974, with Richard Nixon, you did have, you had new evidence that came out that suddenly caused people to believe, oh my gosh, the president's been lying to us all along, and he really did know about the Watergate break-in, and and you had a sea change. I don't see any of that out there now. I think people are, are, again, are, are dug in, and at the end of the day... What you're going to have is you're going to have, the, an, whether it's an acquittal or a dismissal of the charges, and two weeks from now, three weeks from now, whenever this ends, we're going to be right back where we started. Are people's minds going to change? All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, you're asking the same question about Trump as you asked prior to the election between him and Hillary. Democrats are Definitely trying to move the needle any way they can. Um, all right, Jeff, the election will go on as normal. Trump has a good chance of re-election. I believe people have decided who they will vote for already, and um, they, they've already made this. The, the dice have all the die that would be the die have already been cast for November. What the results are going to be, we will have to see. Jeff, testimony from Bolton and. Um, Parmas, he's the guy that's under indictment who says, I, I knew Trump knew about this. Uh, he's the Rudy Giuliani associate. Testimony from John Bolton and Parmas will change some Republican minds. Well, I, I don't know that you're going to get testimony from them, and I, I don't think it's going to change anybody's minds. I, I just don't see that. Jeff, watching Nancy Pelosi sign the impeachment was absolutely appalling as she's smiling and posing for pictures, and I would add passing out the pens. Moments earlier after she told the country what a somber day this was for our country, what a complete and total hypocrite. I will say this. I do not think that that was uh, Nancy Pelosi's I don't think that that was Nancy Pelosi's finest moment. Oh, this is terrible. This is awful. And here, now I'm going to sign it. I'm going to give out the pens. I I just, if people, if people wanted to believe that this was this solemn thing that had to have been done, the fact that Pelosi sat on the articles of impeachment for several weeks without transmitting them in an effort to try to, I don't political gamesmanship and then the here i'm going to sign this and we're going to pass out the pens if if for
for people who wanted to believe that this was not a politicized thing, she did not help her cause. Bottom line of this is, you know, may, maybe there's going to be something dramatic that occurs, but I, I think opinions are all baked in. I, I, I just do. And I understand that's frustrating for some people who think this is absolutely terrible, and it's frustrating for some people that the president has to go through all this. But candidly, to borrow a cliche, I think that this kind of is what it is, and you're not going to see much, if any, movement either in the Senate or or in the polls. Will Donald Trump be reelected? Well, too soon to tell about that. But again, I think this whole idea of impeachment, this is going to be something, I don't even believe this is going to be a voting issue nine or ten months from now. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I admit that I am surprised that a more serious challenger to Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett has not emerged. Now, I, I understand in Milwaukee, the citizens of the city of Milwaukee don't change mayors. I mean, once somebody gets elected mayor, they're, they're there pretty much for as long as they want. And they can survive, as John Norquist proves, they, they can survive all sorts of scandals and, and still be, be the mayor. Tom Barrett's been the mayor, it seems like, forever. And, and there are legitimate issues that you could raise in a mayoral campaign. Whether it's fair to lay it all on the mayor's doorstep is another question, but but there's legitimate issues. For example, you've, you've got the problem of crime in Milwaukee, and you, I understand you can point to the fact that, well, over the last two years, there have been moderate decreases in various types of crime, but at the same time, you could say, look, this, it's, okay, yeah, 97 homicides is better than 117 homicides, but that's still 97 homicides. You, you, you know, you, you got a point there. And, and yeah, 400 carjackings are better than then, you know, 500 carjackings or whatever the numbers were, but that's still a lot of carjackings. So you can make that point. You can make the point about, um, you know, it was during Tom Barrett's watch that you had that whole scandal involving the lead in the in the pipes and things like that and the huge screw-ups at the health department. You can make the argument that for all the economic development that you've seen in the immediate downtown area, there has been very, very little spillover to other parts of town. Now, again, whether it's fair, and, and then, of course, you've got the trolley. But, you know, whether it's fair to, you know, blame Barrett, for example, the, with the fact that you've got stubborn unemployment and you've got economically bad conditions, you've got high crime rates in, you know, zip codes outside of downtown, th- that's a whole other question. But these are issues that certainly I think would be fair in a mayoral campaign to raise. And, and yet it appears there, there's no particular viable candidate that, that's that's emerging. Now, there's two candidates who've been running against him. One is Alderman Tony Zielinski, and the other is uh, State Senator Lena Taylor. And I have always believed that if you had, given given the, the makeup of the city of Milwaukee, if you had a very, very strong candidate who could really tap in say to the minority community that might that might give pause to um to tom barrett that that might but it doesn't appear that that candidate's out there now i I talk about this because you've got the election in early april the fundraising numbers are out milwaukee mayor tom barrett seeking his fifth term has get this nine hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars Cash on hand. Cash on hand. So let's raise up. He's got a million bucks that he can spend if he needs to over the next couple 
months. He raised about $265,000 in the, the last six months of, of last year. So, okay, he's got a million dollars. Tony Zelinsky, the alderman, he reported having $498,000 cash on hand. He raised $30,000 in the second half of the year. The So then you say, God, they only raised $30,000. Where, where did all this money come from? Well, he, he loaned his campaign $300,000. So out of the... You know, four hundred and ninety-eight thousand. He's got three hundred thousand dollars came from him personally, and then you've got uh, Lena Taylor, who raised forty-one thousand dollars during the last six months of the year, including a twenty-thousand-dollar loan from her mother. She had only seven thousand dollars in cash on hand at the end of December. Now, as so, let's look at the scorecard cash-wise. Barrett. A million bucks, approximately. Zelensky, half a million bucks, but $300,000 of which was a loan he gave to his campaign. Taylor, 7000 bucks, and that includes twenty grand that her mother you know, had lent her. It's, it's just very apparent to me that at least from a fundraising perspective, and, and I'm the guy who says you don't have to have, have, you don't have, to have the most money, but you have to have enough money to be able to do the things to kind of make an impact. And trust me, $7,000 is is not enough money to make any sort of impact at all when you're running against somebody that has a million or somebody that has a half million. But again, if, if you look at these challengers to bear it, Lena Taylor getting no traction at all when it comes to fundraising, Zelensky getting almost no traction and, you know, having to put up hundreds of thousands of dollars of his own money. And then, you know, Tom Barrett sitting on a million dollar war chest. It, it is going back to how I started this. It is amazing to me, given the issues that are out there and the issues that people could seize upon. Is it a winning strategy? I don't know. Is it fair to blame Barrett for some of the issues I was talking about? Maybe, maybe not. But these are campaign issues that, that could have been raised. But neither one of these candidates, it seems to me, is getting any sort of traction at all. And if I were to give advice to the two challengers to Tom Barrett, here's what that advice would be. Tony Zelinsky's got 500000 bucks in the bank, 300000 of which is a form of a loan. I'd be paying myself back. <laughs> I would be paying myself back out of that cash on hand because there is such a thing as saying, you know, throwing good money after bad. And for Lena Taylor, $7,000 cash on hand. I'd be giving mom that seven grand that I'd be doing everything I could to raise the other 13 um, to, to kind of pay mom back. Because neither one of these opposition campaigns, for better or worse, appears to be gaining too much traction at all. This is probably, you would think it's going to be Barrett's last term, but agree with him, disagree with him, fault him on the trolley as I do. It appears that he is coasting to re-election, and at least to the extent that people are voting with their pocketbooks, they're voting big time in favor of the existing mayor. When we come out, come back, are we ready? Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) 
a text. Jeff, when critiquing the mayor, you forgot to mention the MMSD polluting Lake Michigan when it rains, or the chaos at the Fire and Police Commission, or the closings of fire stations, or the reduction of the number of the police officers, or the potholes, etc., etc. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, fair or not, these are all legitimate campaign issues that if you had... If you had a real campaign that was going on, you would have, you know, people, you know, raising these issues and, and there'd be a challenger to the mayor that would be out on a, on a daily basis. I mean, we're here in mid January. The election, the primary is in February. The general election is in April. But if you had a real challenger for somebody who was seriously running for office, you know, you would have an event a day. You, and, and these are, again, you, you can assess as much weight as you want to them. You can argue about whether or not it's fair to blame Tom Barrett for this or that or the other. I'm just saying these are all issues that if you were going to have a vibrant campaign, you, you would be seeing. But we have no vibrant campaign going on a, at all. And you've got a mayor that has raised this war chest that makes it impossible, almost impossible for him to beat. But I, I don't there's nothing wrong with what Barrett's doing. That's just the reality of it. it it's really. I think kind of surprising that you did not have stronger candidates emerging to, to challenge him, and which makes me wonder, is the job that desirable? Do they think Barrett's just unbeatable? Whatever. But bottom line is, it's it's a loss, I think, for the city that you're not going to have, you know, more of a contested election. All right. I have been fascinated by what is going on between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That the whole idea of, well, Bernie told me a year ago or a year and a half ago at this meeting that he didn't think that a woman could be president. And now, yesterday, CNN had some audio of their exchange, and Elizabeth Warren is very upset. And you called me a liar on national TV, and she refused to shake his hand. My analysis of this whole thing is that uh, Elizabeth Warren is if, if you're around her now, that sense you get is flop sweat from the, the campaign. She positioned herself as being the, the darling of the progressives. That hasn't worked. She's not getting traction. Bernie Sanders is leading her in national polls, is leading her in Iowa, and I think what you're starting to see is desperation, which is why, at least in my opinion, Elizabeth Warren, at the last minute, well, a week or two weeks before the caucuses, she decides to trot out these allegations that, hey, a year and a half ago, Bernie Sanders, turns out he's this old sexist who told me that a woman couldn't get elected. It's just, again, it strikes me as being desperation, and I think a lot of people are seeing it that way, too, because there's a lot of Sanders supporters, people who were with him four years ago, who uh, just just aren't buying this idea that suddenly this 80-year-old progressive really is somehow misogynistic or something like that. I, I think Elizabeth Warren has beclowned herself, right, so by, by – by trying to play the gender card on Bernie Sanders. And to me, it's an act of desperation. It does, though, raise this larger issue. And I'm always interested in the larger issue. The The headline in a lot of stories is, are Americans ready to elect a woman president? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me put that question to you. Are Americans willing to elect a female president? We haven't had a female president so far. People thought, pollsters thought, that Hillary Clinton was going to be the first. That didn't work out. Was that sexism? Are we ready to elect a female president? 
What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While Gru is lining up the calls, let me give you my take on this. I think, of course, we are willing to elect a female president. Uh, we, we have female governors. We have female members of the United States Supreme Court. We have female senators. We have female congresspeople. Of course, we are willing to elect a female president. Having said that, I'm not convinced it all depends on who the female is. Um, Elizabeth Warren? Well, I, if Elizabeth Warren doesn't win, it's not, in my opinion, going to be because of her gender. It's be going to be because she's way out there on the left wing, and Americans, men and women, aren't willing to take the country that far. That's what I'm thinking of. Hillary Clinton had the same problem. Were Americans willing to elect a female president four years ago? Yeah, they just weren't willing to elect Hillary Clinton president. You know, um, I, I'm thinking of some of the female candidates that are out there on the Republican side. I think Nikki Haley is a superstar. You know, if if Donald Trump wasn't in the picture and, you know, Nikki Haley was running for office and emerged as the Republican nominee for president, I, I would be enthusiastically talking about uh, Nikki Haley. I think she's the real deal. So to me, the question isn't, are Americans ready to elect a woman? Of course they are. The question is, it's got to be the right woman, just like you know, got to say it's got to be the right man. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Macunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you willing to, would you be willing to vote for a female for president? Let's start with Charlie in Milwaukee. Charlie, hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I think Nikki Haley would be an awesome, awesome candidate because she is truly, a, you know, just yeah. the right, the, a strong person. She's going to get the job done. Yeah. I think people vote for the person, not the gender or the race. And if they get the right person yeah. with the right story, they'll vote for the person. And I think I don't care if you're a man or a woman, if you get the job done. Oh, yeah. Like Nikki Haley has done in the past. How do you not vote for her? Well, well right. Thanks I guess, a lot. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess that, that's how I, I look at it. The, the fact that Hillary Clinton didn't win, I, in my opinion, it's not because she was a woman. It was because she was Hillary Clinton, and she just did not resonate with voters in those key states. That That's it. I think Elizabeth Warren, if she ends up being the nominee, and I don't think she's going to be the nominee, but if she ends up being the nominee and she loses, it's not be, going to be because... He was a female. It's because the country wasn't willing to follow her over this left wing cliff. I mean, that's, you know, um, you know, Sarah Palin, right? Sarah Palin didn't win when she ran for vice president. Okay, did, did people reject her because she was a woman? No, I think a lot of Republicans embraced her because she was a woman. She lost or didn't bring much heft to the ticket because of, of other stuff that ended up emerging. So it's, does it have to be a, does it, can it be a woman? Yeah. It's just got to be the right woman. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Arthur. Arthur, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey there. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm definitely a moderate. I think if either party, Republican or Democrat, trotted out a candidate who the personality and the policy made sense, um, they would have my vote. I think the country feels the same way. Yeah. The biggest thing... Uh, or at least to represent this or to back this up, uh, Clinton, despite not being necessarily the right person, she did win the popular vote. Yep. 
So I, I don't think people have trouble voting for anybody, no matter their gender. No, I think I, I agree. Now, if, if we were having this conversation 50 years ago, OK, maybe, maybe that's a different dynamic. And I understand historically, you know, we, we have not had a female president yet. But I, I don't I just think, again, that's more of a reflection of the at least recently, um, you know, people running for office. Matter of fact, you know, a, a lot of the other offices, being a female is a huge advantage that, that you can have. And I, I mean, I again, I, I, I got to tell you, Elizabeth Warren does absolutely nothing for me. I think Amy Klobuchar is a very, very, you know, I think she's. A, I think she makes a very, very good impression. I don't think she's going to win the nomination. But if, for example, Joe Biden gets the Democratic nomination, I think she would be. She would probably be on the top of my list if I was Joe Biden for vice president. And, and that's because I think she's somebody that you, I think people could say, "All right, this is somebody who could end up, you know, doing doing the job." Let's talk to Kevin in Oconomowoc. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Kevin. Hey. Not about the gender; it's about the qualifications of the person. Yeah. I think since we've come as a country to that point where we've seen the value of the person before what gender or nationality they are. Yeah. I don't. I'm not going to vote for somebody just because they're Irish. I want to yeah. vote for that person who is best qualified. I will not vote for that person just because of their gender or their nationality. I want the best qualified person. I've seen lots of very qualified females in large, medium, and small business. And the same thing for a person. When it comes down to it, what they present to me as a voter gives me reason to vote for them. Yeah, that's the personhood, not the gender. Absolutely, and I think that's where the vast majority of people are now. I mean, and they do ballot tests of these things, and it's interesting if you kind of look at the science of it. I mean, for example, all things being equal, all things being equal, for example, women are women like to vote for other women. I and I I I mean I I understand that. And it's like it's all things being equal. So if you've got, you know, two candidates that are on the ballot, you know nothing about them. Woman a lot of times and there's studies that show this is more likely to vote for the woman if you know nothing about it. But you know in a race for and that's fine. I I get it. It's the idea of hey, you know, we want to advance the the gender. You want people that look like you or or whatever, people that you can relate to. And there is the argument about the glass ceiling and stuff like that. I mean, I and I realize that that is real. But I do think in this country in 2020, this idea that that anybody would suggest and going back to how we started this, I I find it impossible to believe that Bernie Sanders would sit down at at a dinner meeting and say, well, you know, a woman can't get elected president. I mean, it, it might be, you know, hey, Elizabeth, you're going to have trouble getting elected president. Now, that that's that's different than saying a woman can't get elected president because, I mean, Hillary Clinton, it, again, going back to the premise, it wasn't because, at least in my opinion, she was a female. It was because uh, it was just she was Hillary Clinton. Let's talk to Eddie. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I, I personally uh, think that it's time for a woman to be a president, not because I want to vote for that gender, but it would be a fresh a fresh approach. There's plenty of women in office and in positions of power that do a fantastic job, intelligent, savvy, make good decisions. And I think Nikki Haley would be a great choice to run for president. She's she's mm. all of the above. And uh, I, I think it would be time. You know, we've we've you know, I think you see that by the pulse of, of what's going on now. Mm. People do want something different. 
but we haven't we haven't given them the right candidate just yet. And yeah, I think exactly. We're waiting for somebody to step up. Right. And I think, thanks for calling. I mean, I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, Condoleezza Rice, I, and I'm, I'm, I'll speak at it from the, the Republican side, the conservative side. Condoleezza Rice, I, I think she would have been an outstanding presidential candidate. Now. I don't think she wants any part of it. I mean, she likes her life, and I certainly understand that. But, I mean, she would this country be ready for a Condoleezza Rice? Absolutely. Is this country ready for a Nikki Haley? Absolutely. Is this country ready for a liberal woman? Yeah. And, and right. And if Elizabeth Warren, like I say, if she doesn't get the nomination or if she gets the nomination and doesn't win the presidency, it it's not going to be going to be because of her gender it's going to be because her policies don't resonate this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I know the sporting event that and the sport that everybody's talking about this week is uh, football, and we're going to get around to that in just a couple minutes. But I, I admit I am fascinated by the latest developments in this Major League Baseball sign-stealing sign stealing scandal. Say that three times fast. Um, I, Carlos Beltran, who was just hired as the manager of the New York Mets, former player just hired, has never managed a game for the Mets. Well, Carlos, we hardly knew ye. He has just been fired as the manager of the Mets because you know he was involved as a player in this sign-stealing scandal that happened back in 2017. He was a player for the Houston Astros. He joins Alex Cora, who was the bench coach for the Astros in 2017, and he was hired as the mayor, as the mayor, as the manager of the Red Sox. He was fired yesterday and then of course you've got the manager of the Astros and the general manager who are also fired and have been suspended uh, if you haven't been following this story long story short you know, in baseball if you're not, if you don't focus on baseball a lot the the type of pitch that's going to be thrown makes a, a difference now look it doesn't matter if I'm facing a major league pitcher even back at my best I, I couldn't hit a fastball if I knew the fastball was coming you know but but major league hitters, um, if they know what pitch is coming, they have an advantage. If it's a fastball, for example, you know you're, you're geared up. If, on the other hand, you know it's a curveball that's coming, you know you you wait back a little bit. Now, there, there, again, there's some players, like I say, that Josh Hader, he, he's going to throw mostly fastballs, and he just, he throws the ball at 100 miles an hour, and he dares you to hit it, and. and that's a few pitchers like that, but most of the pitchers they 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 change speeds, they vary the pitches, and it makes it a lot harder. If you know what pitch is coming, it makes it a lot easier. Well, players have been stealing signs in baseball since there has been baseball. What are signs? The pitcher, let's say the pitcher has two or three different types of pitches that he throws. He's on the mound. The catcher's behind the plate. The catcher puts down one finger that means fastball or two fingers that means curveball or whatever. If there is a runner on second base, the runner looks in. He can see what's going on with the catcher. And runners, you know, if if you're good at that, sometimes they will try to signal to the hitter, hey, there's a fastball coming. All right, it, it, it's hard to do if you're doing it like that. It's hard for the hitter to see. But, but that's legal. There's no problem. What Houston was doing was they were using electronic technology to to steal signs. What happened is, 
and it got more sophisticated over time, but in the simplest form, there's a camera out in center field, right? And so Houston has access to the images of that camera. So what they do is they would show the sign that the opposing team's catcher would make, and then they would signal that into the dugout. Here, it's going to be a fastball. And in its most basic form, what somebody in the dugout would do is they'd bang on a trash can. And like one bang meant that it's going to be a fastball. Two bangs meant there was going to be a curveball. It, it was a little more sophisticated than that, but not much. So the hitter, simply by listening, would know, hey, it's going to be a fastball. And again, does that mean you can hit the ball? No, but it gives you a bit of an advantage. The reason this becomes a huge issue is because you're using the electronics to steal signs. If and you're stealing signs when somebody's just not on second base. It gives you a huge advantage. Well, now it's turned out that they have done this. Major League Baseball is not amused. Houston won the World Series in 2017. That, that, that whole process is tainted. They've now, Major League Baseball, suspended, like I said, the Houston general manager and the Houston manager, who were both fired, but they've been suspended for baseball for a year. Uh, the manager of the Red Sox, who was with Houston at the time as a bench coach, he's been fired. He will probably be suspended. Carlos Beltran, the guy who was fired today, he was a player, now becoming a manager. Interestingly, though, so far, baseball has not disciplined any of the players involved in this particular scandal. They've gone after the general manager in Houston. They've gone after coaches. They've gone after Beltron, who was a player but is now a manager. But they haven't suspended any of the players who were part of this cheating, sign-stealing scheme. Our number, just one segment on this, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For the life of me, I don't understand how you can suspend the general manager or the manager or the bench coach for cheating and not also suspend the players who were active participants in the scheme. Now, I understand that there some, might be some people that are you know, more culpable, the people that devised it, etc. But if you're one of the players that is actively cheating Using this as an advantage, aren't you just as guilty? Aren't you just as culpable as the manager or the bench coach or the guy that's banging on the, the trash can telling you what signal is going to be coming, what pitch is going to be coming? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I don't know whether it's baseball that's afraid to deal with the players' union or whatever, but if these guys were cheating, if the players were cheating, and apparently they were, what, why would you give them a pass? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If, if I were the commissioner, I, I would be disciplining all the players that you were able to determine did, in fact, you know, take advantage of these signals. And it shouldn't be that tough to figure this out. Would I suspend them for a year? I don't know. But I, how can you not punish them when you're punishing the manager and the general manager and the bench coach? We discuss in just a moment, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It just seems to me you can't let the people who actually did the cheating get away with it. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
Here's a text, Jeff. Baseball has the toughest union in pro sports. The Players Association will fight any suspension. They wouldn't even let Major League Baseball test for steroids for over a decade. Ask Bud Selig how tough it is to protect the game's integrity while needing union cooperation. Definitely a union thing. There is something to that because, like I say, Carlos Beltran, who was the manager of the Mets, he was a player on the Houston team while this was all going on. The Mets have fired him, but I think the Mets anticipate that he's probably looking at a suspension. Why can you go after Beltron? Well, because Beltron's not a player anymore. So you know, he's not protected by the union. But yeah, this is one of these interesting things that are out there. I mean, if I'm one of the players on all on the other teams, and you know you care about the integrity of the game, and you find out that other of your union brothers have been cheating. It is interesting to me that yes, the union is expected to go up and fight and try to defend these guys, despite the fact that if I were on one of the teams in 2017 that was challenging the Houston Astros and was competing against them, I'd be mad as you know what that the team was was cheating, clearly violating the rules in this fashion, and that the people. You know, who got away, we're going to be encouraged to get away with it. Um, yeah, Jeff, the players have a union. The managers don't. If the union gets involved on Major League Baseball side, they might go after the players. Otherwise, it is unlikely. Yeah, and I think that that's probably true. That's what's going on here. You have the the players union management it's easy to go after the managers it's easy to go after the general manager but if you go after the people who were actually the beneficiaries of the cheating well then you're going to have the union that's going to step up and arguably defend them just like and our first uh, texter was absolutely right just like when you, you had the owners and Bud Selig, who were initially trying to get steroids out of the game, you, you had this 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 whole split because you had players who who weren't cheating, who knew other people were, who I, I think definitely wanted the union to stand up and do something about this. But on the other hand, you had the union said, "Well, we got all these players that are are taking steroids and cheating. We don't want to get involved in this, even though those players are getting an unfair advantage." Here's another text, Jeff. Some of the players are with different teams. Those teams would be punished for what the Astros did. They need to come up with some sort of punishment other than suspension um, uh, that would affect other teams. See, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, the, the the bottom line is, you know, if if you have a player who cheated. And I understand maybe that player has moved on. Maybe that player has signed some new contract, and maybe that player is with a different team. But but if you don't go after him, if you don't impose some form of punishment, you've let them get away with it. And that's something that I think is just, to, to me, again, it, it, it hurts the game a lot. I don't know where the, the sign-stealing you know scandal is going to end, but, you know, day to day, it gets worse. There's there's a report out there. Somebody is saying that, you know, it was actually maybe even more sophisticated than people think. There's a again, there's an Internet report saying that a couple of the Houston players actually even had like buzzers that they wore under their uniforms and that somebody would communicate by hitting this little buzzer that would tell them what kind of pitch was coming or not. I, I don't know if it was that sophisticated or not. But regardless, for the people who participated in this, how can you let them get away with it? Just asking.